tennis balls. Instead, for nearly a century, tennis players chased down the rubber balls without ever seeing Stapp's solution. That's the mystery that surrounds some inventions. They seem easy in hindsight, and yet the most elegantly simple breakthroughs can hide from us for decades. So what blocks us from grasping an idea? And how can we find the obvious ideas that are hiding from us right now? To answer those questions, we must study many inventions and look for patterns. For instance, if you delve into the history of cancer cures, squirt guns, and smoke detectors, you'll find startling similarities in the way that they came into existence. So if we can observe the techniques that have led lots of inventors to success, we might extrapolate what methods work best. Invention versus innovation. People tend to use the words invention and innovation interchangeably, which causes confusion. And so before we proceed any further, we should come up with working definitions for both. Art Fry, the originator of the post-it note, developed his own way of distinguishing invention from innovation, and his definitions are so illuminating that I will borrow them and use them throughout this book. Invention, according to Fry, is what happens when you translate a thought into a thing. More specifically, Fry points out that an invention usually involves creating a prototype that lets you test your concept and demonstrate that it works. Once you've created that model, the creation becomes an invention, according to Fry. The process may require dreaming, drawing, observation, idea generation, discovery, tinkering, and engineering. But it should end with the proof. Innovation is what happens afterward. It is the act of working through all the obstacles and problems in the path of turning a creative idea into a business, according to Fry. Indeed, the term innovation is often used as a catch-all word to describe the challenges companies must overcome in order to mass-produce a product, like streamlining, shaving costs, managing supply chains, and assembling a team of collaborators. The business side of product development is an art unto itself, but this book, for the most part, will not concern itself with business innovation. Instead, we will investigate the first steps, the embryos, origins, and private visions that give birth to new things. As I spoke with inventors, they told me stories about hunting the original thought as if it were a rare bird flitting through the forest. The process often involves a craftsmanship of the imagination in which we carry out experiments in our fantasies. When I get an idea, I start at once building it up in my imagination. I change the construction, make improvements, and operate the device in my mind, the visionary inventor Nikola Tesla wrote. He was describing a process of mental iteration that we all possess, but that too few of us have truly learned how to use. Why We Need Inventology This book will focus on what might be called micro-creativity, that is, invention at the level of the individual. 
I'm not trying to advance what is known as the great man theory, in which lone heroes are given sole credit for a breakthrough. Rather, it is an acknowledgement that you are one person and so am I. While it's interesting to find out which city generates the most patents per capita, Eindhoven in the Netherlands is often at the top of the list. That doesn't give us much insight into what we need to do as individuals to become more imaginative. After all, if you buy a plane ticket to Eindhoven and stroll along its charming canal, you likely won't be struck with genius. It's crucial that we find out what people actually do as they invent things. What are they doing in their minds and with their hands? We need a new field of study, call it inventology, to answer that question. If you aspire to run a marathon, you can read thousands of books.